Boom, we are on. We're live. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. It's great to be here at the, at the Shoreline Service, 4 p.m. This is our building, and it's beautiful, is it not? See me, church. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for, um, you know, really participating and making this uh, transition unified because, you know, whenever, you, whenever we do something different in church, we combine churches, there's always going to be difficult situations, things that get dropped, things that get un, unheard or unmet, and, you know, we're doing our very, very best. And when that happens to us, there is a temptation. And the temptation is to, is to check out. Is to, I, or, or whenever you have someone on your Facebook feed that you're just kind of tired of what they're saying, you unfollow them. You don't unfriend them, because then they'll know, right? But you unfollow them. And sometimes as disciples, we can unfollow Jesus. You know what? We don't want to unfriend him, because then he might, you know, that might have eternal consequences. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to go that far, but we don't mind unfollowing Jesus. Meaning, yeah, I just I come to church, but we're uninvolved. Right. I come to church and I'm a spectator. Right. And we watch everyone else follow Jesus. We're totally happy unfollowing him as well. We just like, as long as the church is service on time, as long as you have a class for my kids, I think I'm going to stay unfollowed. And so during times like these, that can be the temptation. And the great thing about Jesus is that everyone is invited to follow him. They're, they're every, every soul on earth is invited to follow. They're invited to, to, to an invitation to a relationship with him. And so, you know, this happened to the disciples in the first century. They were faced with a, with a dramatic change in their view of God. They viewed God in a, in a certain perspective, and Jesus came down, and he shifted the paradigm. And in many ways, what we're doing in church is we're changing the culture of the church. And you've heard Joe and I say, talk to, about things like, take God at his word. That's a culture shift, you know. I want to take him at his word. I, I don't want to just listen to opinions. I want to hear from the word of God. You know, we preach repentance. Yeah. You know, without a doubt, we call everyone to repent. But we practice grace. Yeah. Isn't that great? We can call each other higher, but practice the grace. And so we all can realize that. So when we're changing cultures, it's kind of a shock to the system. You know, now we're having meetings. You're like, well, what meeting? Where do I, when's this meeting? Do I show it? You know, what do I do? You know, how do I get involved? It's a new way of doing ministry. And what happened in, in, in the time of Jesus when he was with his uh, disciples, he was teaching them something new. And it shocked, it shocked the public, it shocked the religious leaders, and it definitely shocked the followers of Jesus. Yeah. Look in your Bibles in John chapter 6. You know, we're, gonna, we're one church, and we're going to have two services. Come on. And one's going to be down here in, in Oxnard. And one's going to be up there in Simi. And guess what? We're going to have more churches planted. That's, right. That's why we need everyone to follow not to unfollow and watch, but to be. The more you're involved, the more we can multiply churches. 
The more see me started with what 40, 35, 40 people? They started a church with 30 people. Oxnard already has almost 70. Yeah. Come on, we can be two already. That's right. Right? Yeah. We can be Oxnard and Cam or something. Or Oxnard and Ventura. Yeah. I mean, we can do this. But we're going to need everyone to follow Jesus. So, in the context of this passage, Jesus fed 5,000 people. There was a frenzy of food. Everyone ate. And then he, then he goes down and he teaches in the synagogue in Capernaum. And that's near the Sea of Galilee. And, and the people still want more proof. They want another sign. And they're trying to, to trick Jesus again. Maybe to feed him again. I don't know. Um, and then he tells them after he feeds them, he tells them that real food is nothing compared to what I, I meet Jesus, nothing compared to what Jesus offers through his teaching. And he, then he claims to be the bread of life that has come down from heaven. But they are so literal minded that they can't follow the analogy. And then they start to say, hey, wait, 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 what did you say? You're, you came down, what? We know your parents. You didn't come down from heaven. And then things get crazy. Look at me in verse 42. They said, is this not Jesus? Because, you know, he just got done saying, I am the bread of life. I've came down from heaven. I am the manna. I am, I am Emmanuel. I am tabernacling with you. you know, Jesus knows who he is, but he's trying to tell them who he is, and they can't digest it. And he says, they say, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, now say I came down from heaven? Isn't that sometimes how we get when we don't like something we hear? When something changes in church. I wouldn't do it that way. That's what I say. I would do it this way. Whenever there's something hard to swallow, sometimes we become literally minded. We get tunnel vision and don't see the big picture. Jesus is trying to give them the bigger picture through his teaching. They just ate food, but they're going to get hungry again. He's saying, my teachings will, will change your life forever. And all they're worried about was, the, was how much, give me a sign, give me more food, give me this, show me a miracle. He's all, no, it's my teaching. And then in verse 54, he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink and they're like what in the world are you and some of you are saying what is he saying Gio he's saying that spiritual food equals spiritual life and where do we find the food in the teachings of Jesus how hungry are you spiritually how hungry are you? Because if you're not hungry spiritually, you will starve to death spiritually. Right. Spiritual food means spiritual life. And this morning I had the honor of having a quiet time with my son, Jaden. He, he had a lot of questions. Like, how do we know the Bible's real? Great kid kingdom questions, you know. How do you know if this is the right religion? 
These are the questions of a 12-year-old. I said, well, where's all this coming from? You know, you know, as a parent, you hear that, you get scared. Like, what? I'm not doing a good job? What? You get all insecure. Like, what? 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 Who are your teachers in the classroom? You know, you start freaking out, right? <laughs> Wait, that's my job. Wait, this is my responsibility. You know, when your kids start, you know, wondering these, these crazy questions, it's my responsibility. So I said, hey, Jaden, um, what, what are you scared of? I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to go to hell. So okay. So I wrote down all the major religions. So which one's right? How do we know? They all, each religion has a book. How do we know this book is the right book? He's like, yeah, how do we know? Well, which book can predict the future and be right? That was my answer. That was my question. So I showed him the prophecy about where Jesus was supposed to be born. Wow. 700 years earlier. I showed him the prophecy of not where was he was going to be born, whether who was going to be his mother, and how he was going to be betrayed. And then his, the light bulb starts going on. And I was like, man, I'm so glad I read my Bible. Thank you for 23 years of eating spiritual food. You know, when you get a tough question, you know what becomes reality? How much food you've been eating spiritually comes and gets exposed. You know what we do sometimes? Call the minister. Call somebody who's been around a longer. You have to eat spiritual food. We all have to eat spiritual food. It's good. You know what happens when we don't eat spiritual food? We get negative. Man, like that. I mean, negative negativity. Man, I wake up, I'm negative. Because my stomach's hungry. There's no hugs. Straight to the kitchen. People trying to tell me hello. I'm just like, I'm just good. Where's, there's no coffee? Wait, wait, there's no coffee. Oh, now I got to go to Starbucks. Oh, now I got to get a jacket on. Oh, hey, man, now it's cold outside. I mean, I, it just starts peeling up. And then I think it slips. Hello, Lord. How are you doing? He's going great again. You know, negativity is so easy for me. Negative thinking it, gener it, it generates from my inherent belief system of how I experience life up to this point. It's there. And it's an easy well for me to draw into being negative. It's when, I, then I, when I'm negative, I start to feel angry. I feel frustration. I feel irritated. And then I worry. And the impact, it hinders me from achieving what's actually going to make me happy. It hinders me. I'm less happy, less successful, less at peace. I have less enjoyable interactions with my family. And you know what I notice being negative in my household is? It's contagious. I mean, it jumps like, whoosh, whoosh. it's like demon possession. Everyone gets negative when I'm negative. And then I get discouraged. And what I've learned, and what I've read, and what other professionals have read, clinical psychologists, that negative thinking dramatic, dramatically affects your brain and how you process. Thinking negatively, uh, in negative ways about your problems not only doesn't help you solve anything, 
it actually makes it harder for you to think of a helpful solution. It just takes you down. And I remember the words of Jesus in Romans 10, verse 9. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the words of Christ. When I stop feeding myself spiritually, I find myself getting negative. I don't know if you can relate to that. And there's a, there's a, there's a way to scale. Negativity, how much, how much food have I eaten spiritually? You'll see that I'm starving. Or I read something just like a robot. I read it, I read something, and I moved on without it letting it enter my heart and process what I've read. I've done that too many times. Or I had a quiet time, but it didn't really change me. I just read something pretty cool and I forgot about it. Or I read information about something and it was pretty cool, but it didn't permeate me. It didn't change me. And so that, my friends, is something we have to be careful of. Because in John 6, it got really, really negative really fast. The crowd got negative, and guess who it affected? It affected the 12 apostles. And on verse 60, on hearing it, Many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? In other words, who can listen to this? Who can take this? This is too much. No doubt. No doubt how negativity had affected the disciples. They saw other people get negative, and then they got negative. Isn't it interesting how contagious that can be? You know, we got to be careful with each other. Yeah. Because we can be contagiously negative. Yeah. And it hurts. It hurts our unity. It hurts our love for each other. It hurts. Yeah. You hurt so hurting people. It's just, it's just a cycle that we get into. And so this is how Jesus handles it. In verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this shock you? Because remember, remember what he said. Real food has nothing compared to my teaching. That's what he said. Real food is nothing compared. Does this shock you? Then he says, this is what you see. This, what, then what if you see the Son of Man... Ascend to where he was before. And there's an exclamation point right there. So it would sound, it would sound something like this. Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? What if you see that? That's how he responded. He wasn't like, Lan. What if you see the Son of Man? <laughs> what if you see me where I was at? That's what he says. Exclamation point. Sometimes you have to read the Bible the way it was written and supposed to be read. Right? You, teachers, when you see the exclamation point, it's like, boom! Yeah. So Jesus wasn't like, oh, I'm overwhelmed by your negativity. No. He says, you better realize who I am. Yeah. And stop being negative. And Jesus knew that it's a cancer. It'll hurt. So he goes, I'm going to cut it off. And then he goes, then he mellows out. He goes, the spirit gives life. Flesh counts for nothing. 
The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who don't believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. You know what I found interesting? Which of them? It made me feel like it's more, more than one. Yeah. Not which one. Because we all think immediately Judas, but which of them? I'm like, oh, that could be me. For Jesus had known from the beginning which one of them would be, uh, which of them would not, did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is what I told you, that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Even after he says, if you only knew where I'm from, they still didn't listen. The negativity, it ate their lunch. And they turned their back and they said, unfollow. Unfriend. And it looked like the beginning of the end. Can you imagine that? You know, if I was part of the 12 disciples, I would have probably been like, Jesus, just settle down. We want followers, don't we? I would have been like, that's probably not the best sermon at the best time, you know? I want people to like Jesus. But Jesus was making a point. He was making a point that we don't get stuck and, and fall in love with the things that can fill our bellies that will never save us. That we hold on to a world that will never rescue us. Right. He was making a strong point that his teachings give life. Right. And so the 12, you know, they see the crowd thinning and they start thinking about unfollowing. Maybe they're like, man, this is getting hard. Word on the street, man, Jesus just lost his mind. If we lose the crowd, and we could lose more. And, and then Jesus, he, he chimes in, he kind of leans in, and he asks, do you want to leave too? He asked the 12. Imagine being asked that question. Might catch you off guard. Jesus read their minds. I mean, can you imagine, what, what do you say to that? Maybe they were embarrassed. Maybe they didn't make eye contact. I, I think you've been there before. I, I know I've been there before. When something gets hard, I'm tempted to unfollow. I'm tempted to go into cruise control. Let everyone else do it. And I'll just slide right in. Following can become inconvenience. Following can be at times embarrassing. Following can be costly. Yeah. And when we unfollow, we can miss opportunities to grow as disciples. Especially during a transition. There are many, many opportunities to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Amen. You see something that doesn't go well? Yes, great. Get involved and help. That's awesome. The more, the merrier. Whether you're in a relationship, in your marriage, when you're following and you're in tune with your spouse, things go pretty awesome. You know, Josh Massey just started dating. He, he's dating someone named Mary Moon. Oh, come on. She's awesome. 
I met her twice and I'm going, this woman is amazing. Yeah. And then we had a big party at my house last night. We had, we had Karen made dating cake. <laughs> it's not a wedding cake, it's just dating cake. So we had a dating cake. We celebrated. It was exciting. Josh, it was a, it was a, I've known Josh since he was in high school. And Josh has been just an amazing disciple. He's had his up and downs. He's been faithful through trials. Yes, he he's just, he's just a guy that he's never going to give up. And to see him last night with Mary and, and just, there it is. It was, it was incredible, incredible having the campus over and, and it's, it's, it's fantastic to see someone date another disciple and to know that the path that they're on. And there, were, and there was temptations to unfollow as a Christian. You can, you can get tempted to unfollow. And I'm sure Josh had those moments in his Christianity as well. And then, for me, you know, becoming a Christian was like entering another world. And I'm sure for you too. It's just a different way of thinking. Um, you know, my, you know, when you, when I became a Christian, I'm sure with you as well, you know, life changed dramatically for me. So dramatic. My parents literally thought that I was going to start eating out of trash cans and follow some guy into the mountains because I was so nice after I was so rude and crude and mean to my parents. And then I became a disciple and I tried to tell them I got, I got baptized, I'm a Christian, I go to this awesome church. They thought that the church was in the mountains and I would eat food of a trash can and that church lasted nine and a half hours because I would leave at eight and come back at six. <laughs> so my parents were super concerned that I had joined some weird church and I was following some crazy leader. I said, no, Dad, church is only two hours long. I didn't even have lunch. Let me hang out. I go early to help set up. It's exciting. And my dad's like, what in the world? To them, church, you just show up and leave. Maybe you say hi. Maybe. And they couldn't understand that. My mom was so angry. My mom is a Latin mom, and she makes food. And when she's angry, the food just stops. <laughs> No cooking. And we're all guys. We're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with mom? We, I made her angry. She stopped cooking. I'm like, you know, you, you don't leave it to dad to cook. We'll starve. And that was, that was the process. But over time, eating spiritual food, my mom got more curious. Attending women's days. My dad started attending men's days. My mom and dad actually like the church. They enjoy that we're disciples. They see Karen and I going, wow, this is pretty great. And we're, we're in there. And their perspective has changed. I'm, my prayer is one day, I'll get to baptize my dad. I'll get to baptize my mom. But I'm not going to fake myself. That's not going to happen if I'm not eating spiritual food. I was so glad that my, my children asked these my son asked this profound question. What if we could be wrong? I'm like, well, that's a great question. Trying not to freak out, of course. <laughs> I want us to be healthy. I want us to be open. I want us to be honest. But I want us to, I want us to do it in a healthy way. That breeds unity. That breeds togetherness. That's what we want. We want to be a family that can talk to each other, whether it's good or bad. We can talk because we know we're going to be together. Yeah. 
And that's okay. We can talk through a lot of stuff. And that's what a healthy family does. That's what a healthy church does. You know, we like to get decisions from the members to the ministers. Before it was from the ministers to the members. And I did that for many years. I think of some spiritual. I go to a mountain. I think God wants this. And I would say, everyone's doing this. And some people would be like, yeah. Others would be like, "Mm -mm. no, you lost me. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, we want your involvement. We want your input. That's what I love about the Collins. They they, they flipped it. It says, we want you to let us know so we can all work together. It's a culture change. It's a culture shift. I know there's somebody here that goes, no, I like it the other way. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me. I know. And I'm like you. I'm like that. I love that. I love just getting orders and going carrying out the mission. I love that. This way is new for me. It's different for me. Because you know what it does? It makes me do something I rarely used to do. Listen. Like, what would you say? Oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Listen. Try it in your family. Try it. You know, my son... In, in jest, he doesn't get it. I said, you, son, you're going to understand this in 10 years when you're dating or married someone awesome, you're going to get this. He thinks, he believes that whatever decision, when I talk to Karen, I, 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 I take Karen's advice. He's like, mom's in charge of this household, not you. Because <laughs> I started to listen more to Karen. And now my son's like, you're not the leader anymore. I'm like, I am the leader. I'm just getting input. I'm getting advice. It's good. It's, it's solid. I want to stay married. You're leaving in six years. That's what I want to tell him. I want to stay married. To get down to it, you're a goner, man. It's a cool chick and an old crow, man. I got to keep this going. He doesn't get that. He just says, you're not in charge anymore. I said... Well, you can think that all you want, but I'm going to get input from mom because mom's smart and she's spiritual. That's the drama in my house. (laughs) I call it the testosterone drama. Juliana knows what's up. She's pretty spiritual. In verse 68, Simon Peter answered him. So Simon Peter goes, okay, you guys want to leave too? Lord, where are we going to go? To whom shall we go? If not who? If not you, who? Peter realized what everybody else overlooked. To walk away from Jesus is to walk toward someone else. He picked up on that. And two things support that. Verse 68, he says, you have the words of eternal life. Nobody else is offering that, Jesus. Maybe that eat, drink, and blood thing is a little, I don't get all of it, but no one else is offering eternal life. I know that. In verse 69, and we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
You may be confusing sometimes, Jesus, but we know you're the Messiah. And isn't that how sometimes we feel about God? This is confusing. I don't know what's going on. But you know one thing? You know that God is in control. And that's a great feeling. When God is in control. I got to attend Kevin Maines' funeral yesterday. Man, I want people to say that about me and my funeral. I mean, there was just amazing after amazing stories of faith. The impact he had. There were, there were visitors there at his funeral. A lot of them. There was only a thousand people there. I was in the upper chambers and I couldn't even watch it live. I had to watch it on like a remote satellite dish, you know. 4,500 people watching it on Facebook. Because of who he was and because of who he served. Jesus. And every story is about helping people get back to looking at Jesus. How he, he helped members to look during their struggles and challenges. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And I walked away going, man. And, they, and they, every, everyone who shared said this, Kevin, I'll see you on the other side. Amen. I thought, what a cool thing to kind of say. Someone dies and you're going to tell them, I'll see you on the other side. Oh, man, that's awesome. Would you say that to Jesus? To whom shall we go? When you start doubting and getting negative, if not him, then who? And then what? Whenever there's any transition in your job, any kind of your school, any kind of transition, any trouble you find yourself in, the temptation creates questions, and that's okay. Just consider the options to help you bring clarity. Because it's easy to pick any system apart. That's easy. It's easy to see the flaws in transition. And we have to resist the temptation to unfall. When God doesn't seem to be coming through, we doubt. That's normal. And it's okay to doubt. Just don't walk away until you've determined where you're walking to. And that's exactly what happened to the 12. You know, when temptations come back, and they come back. When old, old habits come back, and they come back. Don't drift. Don't abandon your beliefs. That's when you got to make the decision to follow. When you find yourself and recognize, hey, I'm in trouble. I need to follow. Don't unfollow. That's a bad decision. Because to whom shall we go? You know, the words of Jesus aren't always easy. They're not, they're not easy to follow sometimes. But they're very clear. They're clear but not easy. Because we're scared and we doubt. He has the words of eternal life. You believe them and you've come to know that. You as disciples, you know this. So if not Jesus, who? If not Christianity, then what? What? 
I say to you, the more spiritual food that we eat, the more chances we have to grow. And the closer and closer we get to being more like Jesus, the more and more the world will know who we are. And they'll know us for our love. That's what Jesus says. The world will know you because you love one another. So when we have difficult times and you're feeling negative and discouraged and you're down, let's do it in a healthy way. Let's do it in a spiritual way. Let's do it in a way that's going to be uplifting and awesome and encouraging. If you don't want to eat spiritual food, someone will share their lunch with you spiritually. That's what we did in grade school, remember? Jimmy forgot his lunch and you opened up yours and you gave him your apple. Jimmy's not having quiet times. You open your Bible and you share the word. That's what we do sometimes. We share spiritual things with each other. And then we have spiritual life together. So I'm going to bring Lewis up here for a last song. Or no one doing a last song? I'm going to close this out in a prayer. I want to close our service here. Right. <clears throat> well, Father in heaven, thanks so much for this time to look at your word. Thank you for uh, the example and just the real lifeness of the Bible and, and the struggle and the challenges and the fears and the doubts and the teaching and, and all the things that we get to read. They're real and we relate to it so much. And we, can, we get convicted by it. We get inspired by it. But what I'm impressed is that you, you kind of un, un, uh, you, you unveil, God, the realities of the human nature and how Jesus interacted with humans and how we have the same interaction in our heart with Jesus and the word. And I just pray that we can truly eat and desire spiritual food so we can truly grow spiritually. Bless our transition. Bless our time together. Bless our meetings together. Bless everything we do, God, because we do it for your glory. And in the name of your glorious son, Jesus, amen. Thank you, and that concludes our service. Thank you. That was great. Um, conversation with the geologist yesterday.